Okay, well, hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, it's good to see everybody. We are about to embark on a unit on prayer. Um, how the schedule is going to go, you'll hear my thoughts on prayer, and then you'll hear Pastor Bruzek's thoughts on prayer. So, in a couple weeks, uh, he'll be taking over for a while. Because uh, I, hopefully I'll be at home with the baby. So, anyways. So today, uh, we're going we're gonna to talk kind of a big picture about prayer. And hopefully it'll just begin to kind of spark a, more of a, a reflective nature on your own thoughts in prayer. And I think, um, yeah, so anyways... So there's some basic things we've got to talk about prayer. First of all, what is prayer? Um, what do you guys think? What is prayer? Like, uh, what, do, what do you tell children? What do you tell other people? What do you, t- what do you tell the, the person who walks off the street and has never prayed a prayer? And they say, what is prayer? Shirley. Personal talking with God. That's good. All right, good. Excellent. Anybody have any any other like way they they talk to their children or friends? Kirby. I hope people say that about me too, Kirby. <laughs> it's so smart, and I don't understand what he's saying. Yes. Right. Excellent. Right. Yeah, instead of asking, what do you do you want to finish that sentence? What does that mean? Like, instead of asking what? Right. So you, may, you, you, you proclaim uh, who he is, and by understanding who he is, you know what he does, and you call upon. And it, it helps me focus. Yeah, sure. Well, that actually that brings up another point, Kirby. Is uh, do we? How many people struggle with prayer? Uh, whether it be like beginning a prayer or actually struggling in the midst of prayer, like how to pray or what to say or what to do. I, I was hoping everybody was going to raise their hands. But I mean, uh, um, well, let's talk about the habit. I mean, how many people have found it hard to just just pray, like find time to pray? Now, what are the what are the most common times we pray? Before meals. Before meals. Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest. After meals. See now, see that's hard for me, especially with two children who like finish their meal, you know, thirty minutes before I do. Which is, which, that's, that's interesting, Kirby. I, you're, I was thinking of you when I, I put some of these things on the piece of paper today because I wanted to. Well, they need the car keys. Yeah. So they're okay. So that's good. So I should expect the struggle to continue forever and ever. They don't actually sit, they don't sit at the table longer when they get older? Wow. Oh. Okay. They got to do something. All right, so uh, meals at prayers. Somebody said morning. Some of you pray in the morning. Nighttime. We uh, pray at nighttime, going for bed, going to bed. Church. Church. Thank you. Uh, they um, before a big test. I think it's usually some kind of school. 
Yeah. Yes, never, never had a test. Never been yeah. scared. Because you're right, even Christians can pray, but in, when they're scared, are we right? When, when the it's it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a fallacy that no one's ever prayed. I know. Yeah. Right. Well, I think that's actually very important, very important for us, even as Christians, to consider how we pray, because I think sometimes we're just talking to ourselves. Yeah. In fact, I think I have a quote here on the second page that I find very funny. Um, or did I take that out? Sometimes we just rehe- rehearse our own anxieties. All right, there. Most of us don't pray. Most of us just rehearse our anxieties out loud. Um, but that goes with kind of how we pray and actually relates to what Kirby says. When we proclaim the name of God, you know, that changes the character of what we do. But sometimes we just, we just talk out loud. And we're not really talking to anyone. So we, we need the dative case. If you, if you were at Pastor Scare's Thanksgiving sermon, that was that you need a direct object. You need to be thanking somebody. You need to be... All right, so um, now the question would be why we pray. Next question. What is prayer? When do we pray? And why do we pray? Well, there's... We need something. Right. Lord, I need an A on this test. Even though I have not studied, I don't like this subject, but it would really be good if I got an A because my parents will... Yes. So can I get something for nothing, especially right now? Because even if I get something for nothing now, I will start praying even more. Or, I'll, you know, I know I haven't been going to church, but you know, if I get an A on this thing, I, I'm going to thank you a lot by going to church. <laughs> Not saying that I ever prayed that prayer. Or, Lord, help this three-pointer go in. Help me beat, help me beat the Wasa East Lumberjacks. Give my life back to you. <laughs> so, anyways, our needs. As apparently, I needed to beat the lumberjacks. Uh, Beth. That's exactly right. Okay, Jesus says so. Yeah. Okay. I. That's good. That's right. Jesus says, "Do it." And not only does Jesus say it, but he actually does it. In fact, the Gospel of Luke is a great resource. and uh, I, Hopefully I put that in there. Um, Jesus does it. Yeah, Luke chapter 3, 20 and following. Very, we should actually take a look at that quick. Because in the Gospel of Luke, if you want to learn how Jesus prays, uh, the Gospel of Luke is probably the best Gospel. Although that's a false antithesis. Every Gospel shows Jesus praying. But the Gospel of Luke, I think, is, is, uh, is a nice, nice image. Chapter 3, and I put verse 20, but it actually might be technically 21. Yeah. Um, It's at his baptism. Now, when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying. So the Gospel of Luke is a very interesting image of Jesus' prayer life and baptismal life. Jesus is praying when he is, in fact, being baptized. Um, 
and there is some great medieval art that actually shows that. Uh, I didn't bring it down today, but um, I'm not sure who did it, so I won't speculate. But Jesus is standing. He's like this, and John the Baptist is baptizing him. It's a, it's a great reflection of the Gospel of Luke's image of the baptism of Jesus. So when Jesus is baptized, he is praying, and obviously what happens during baptism is the Holy Spirit comes down. We often see that as an isolated incident in terms of baptism. The Holy Spirit comes down, but in fact what happens is that the Holy Spirit coming down is also associated with prayer. So we've got to keep that in the back of our mind too. Okay. Um, so Jesus does it, so we do it, need stuff, and then it just simply we got, we're talking. We need to talk to God. Penny. Perfect segue. Um, I think this is probably the defining, uh, this, this, is, this is what defines us as Christians and prayer is listening. I think prayer is listening. And it actually goes with what Kirby said. In order for us to say back to God what he said to us, we actually have to listen. So we have to break that down a little bit on how that actually happens. So when we talk to God, most of us don't pray, but most, you know, most of us just rehearse our anxieties out loud. And I think that's a powerful statement, but I think that's absolutely true. Um, and what we need to... Uh, do in order to actually not that happen because you know that that's a um, it's 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 good for us to sometimes talk about our anxieties, but it actually doesn't actually help our anxieties. It might make us feel good, but actually doesn't take care of it. So in order for prayer to transform us and our anxiety, we actually have to be rehearsing, actually speaking out loud to God in a way that will. Give us back peace. So, and then also presence, and this goes along with what Penny just said, is that we pray for God's presence. Uh, we pray, why do we pray? Because God makes himself present to us, and that's in the baptism of Jesus. When Jesus is praying in his baptism, the Holy Spirit comes down. So when we pray, the Holy Spirit comes down. That means the presence of God, you know, comes down to us in prayer. So um, Stanley Harawas, uh, with regards to prayers, I think he has a very nice little quote here. Learning to not be so compulsive about thinking that prayer is getting God to do something that God may not want to do. I have to convince God that I need this A on this test, or I need to make this three-pointer, or the Packers need to win the Super Bowl. Yes, I was just going to say, my examples are supposed to be lighthearted and cause you to find your own serious ones. I don't want, I don't want to talk about your serious things. Sure. Yeah, this is good. Right. Right. Now, the thing is, though, is that, as Kirby had said, sometimes we remind God of his promises. Right. Right. So gotta be careful. I mean, careful insofar. And now the reason why, yeah, it's exactly right. Now, why do we have to do that? It's because of I think what we're going to talk about a little bit later is setting the right expectations. I have a very I had a friend in college. His name was Dan, 
And Dan was a very nice man. That rhymes. I didn't. I didn't mean to. Uh, who came from a a, a back, Christian background where they told God what to do, and they were expecting Him to do it. And if He did not do it, then a God didn't love them, or there was something wrong with with them. And that came to a head in Dan's life when his mom got cancer and ended up dying. And I remember having this conversation in his car in the dead of winter and being blown away at the emotion and passion in his voice. I'll never forget it. He... um. Uh, he, I mean, he was basically renouncing the faith because of this circumstance. He had the com- he had completely wrong expectations of what prayer was, because he saw prayer as a, in a sense, as a cosmic vending machine, where you put your two cents in and out comes something. And as dramatic as that was, and as personal as that was in Dan's life, that really screwed things up for him. So the reason why we want to talk about this now is because when that comes up, when when moments when we pray and something doesn't happen, how are we supposed to process this? Like, what do we do with this? And if we set the right expectations, that will at least get us to square one, where we can at least now um, be able to. We don't come to square one with a broken heart and a, and a, and a crushed spirit. So, Penny. Right. Right. So that's, that's the thing. So now we have to watch, because, like, for instance, so, uh, rain on the wedding day. Does the rain on the wedding day equal God not being good? Well, for, probably for the, you know, the, the bride in my might. <laughs> Yes, or is that a sign that your marriage isn't blessed? Okay. We, I, I don't, did I put this on here too? There's, there's so much stuff to talk about that I'm, I'm uh, right. You're choosing between two good decisions. Right. Right, so, so when we enter into prayer, what kind of expectation does we have? Do we actually believe that God's good is better than our good? And I think we have to answer yes before we actually pray. Well, exactly. So if we believe, so like for instance, you know, a job or. Yes. Because, but now, now the question would be guidance insofar as in this circumstance and having, you know, just believing that the path that you set out on. God is a not punishing you and abandoning you. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So now the right wisdom, and now the question would be, will now we got to get to Rachel? Rachel, I apologize. Right. Which goes back to the Holy Spirit, right? Exactly. Right. So it's going to be, it, keep thinking, because it's important. You've had a long week. I know. You're not talking about, well, yes. Right. 
right? Right. Well, I think I think actually though, what we need to think about. Okay, so yes, yeah, so you. I think that statement you just said is true, but it's actually not the whole story. I think there's times when we know that other people are praying. Fantastic. I mean, who's the most important person praying for you right now? Jesus. And if we're in the presence of Jesus when we pray, meaning, you know, Holy Spirit comes into our midst and is enlightening us. John 14, 23 or 26, Jesus says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he will remind you of everything I've said. So prayer is engaging in that moment in the remembrance of what Jesus says. So when you sometimes you're sitting still, right? In a sense, I, I don't know what to pray. But when you acknowledge that you don't know what to pray, you're actually in the prayer itself. Because at that moment, you say, my mouth is shut. I do not know what to say. But praise the Lord, I'm in the midst of Jesus, and he's praying. So my job is actually not to talk right now, but to listen. Um, so I think that's actually, you're actually at a very profound moment in your life, Rachel, where silence... Is the most important place you are to be, and I think that's actually true for a lot of our lives. Silence. We need to start out with silence, and I, I think I wrote that down. Yep. Um, before we get to silence, though, and actually is that, so so we get, gather strength from the fact that we know other people are praying for us. Most importantly, Jesus, Jesus, the saints, and each one of us, saints in heaven, saints on earth. And so there is actually a reality that we're always praying. And that should, that should, I think that's comforting. It's comforting for me. So, But what's the environment? Sometimes we're in the environment. So like Rachel, in her life, in that environment. But I think we always have these environments where we, it's, it's just a little chaotic. Things are loud. In a sense, loud in our life. And that's the environment, I think, of today's like, this is our culture. We're a very noisy culture, which goes to what Kirby had said earlier. Our kids are off on media. In fact, uh, there's a great study that I quote here, Generation M Squared, Media in the Lives of 8 to 18-Year-Olds. And that, this came out last year, the report. So it's current. And you can go on the website, Kaiser Family Foundation. It's media and health. It's, it's a very interesting study. There was also an article in the Atlantic Monthly stating, you know, is Google making us stupider? <laughs> Which deals with some of these issues. Um, and then there's another website. Yeah, the World Unplugged, which is actually a global study of young people across the world. And it's amazingly similar. So it's not, a, it's not like people in Asia don't have this problem, or people in Africa. Anybody who has technology, which often is, I mean, Asia and Africa are very, I mean, they do have, it's amazing what cell phones can do these days. Um, so if you take a look at this, five years ago, kids were spending about eight hours in media total based on multitasking. It's more now. So the question would be, like, when do we pray? And in what environment? So silence 
is not only uncomfortable, it's, it's uncomfortable mainly because we don't know how to do it, and it's also uncomfortable because it's so abnormal, so different. Um, this, yeah, this is just the facts. I mean, we are in a noisy society. As much as you want to deny it, I, I think because, I mean, people, this, uh, this understanding, like, you know, why do we spend time in silence? I mean, I, we've dealt, surely, and Mary, we've all dealt with this with confirmation kids, when we've actually tried to spend time in silence. Now, Wednesday night was fantastic. I couldn't believe. So what is it? It's been six months or five months of really consciously spending time in silence. And the other night, um, it was, no, <coughs> no, you know, <laughs> I mean, there was nothing. It was actually quiet. And, and there was no workmen working, drilling. Uh, we, that's part of our prayer. We, we actually do uh, page 285 in the hymnal. And so we spend time in silence before prayer. And then, and then the mitts, like during, after the reading. Well, yes and no. Like, actually, we just mentioned those things. I, you know, one of the things was is it doesn't take a lot of talent to be quiet. Just, I mean, you just have to shut your mouth. Yeah. Right. The crucifix, uh, the font. Yeah. Right. So, so this is the environment in which we're in, and what's interesting is, is if we actually practice, we create habit. Um, it's a, it's a great struggle in the beginning, but at the end, we actually we begin to hear things. This goes back to the kings and Elijah in the in the cave, and God comes not in the whirlwind and the earthquake and the fire, but He comes in the whisper, and we actually have to shut our mouth in order to hear it. We have to be quiet. That's very hard. So we actually have to make, we have to be intentional. So like our uh, Advent today services and our Lenten today services where we spend time in quiet, um, we do that on purpose because we don't, we have to offer, as a church we have to offer these times because the church has to lead us into these times. Um, because our, our like our daily devotions, our own personal devotions, we've had such a stress on reading the Bible out loud, saying the prayers, you know, in, in confirmation too, like I give a prayer book and we but without you know, so the idea is that we have to like talk or, or do something. But our first step is always keeping our mouth shut. And the reason why we have to keep our mouth shut is because who's the most important person talking? Jesus. And I think I might have mentioned this before, you know. Praying is a conversation that, that has been going on since the, the beginning of time. It's between God and humankind, mankind. And we, as individuals, come into that conversation late. And as anybody joins in a conversation, our first step is not talking, but being quiet. Because if we, if we begin talking, what are we doing? We're interrupting. And our presumption, the presumption is then we are the most person, most important person that needs to be heard. And that's not the case. Jesus is.
God's word is. So, um, so silence is very important. Uh, where I put being polite, setting the right expectations. Being polite, does anybody know what that means? Like a technical, like a dictionary? I put it as being polite because that's how we colloquially talk about it. Karin? Not being rude. Not being rude. Being gracious. Well, good-mannered. Exactly. Look. Respect, reverence, all, all the... Yeah, right. So you enter, you enter the conversation saying, I am not the most important person here. And most people will say, that is so nice. Um, and it would be nice that, you know, I, I wouldn't mind having God say that about me. Good and faithful servant. You're a pretty nice person. Thank you. Um, obviously, we don't do it to get that response. We do it because this is what God has asked us to do. So, you know, uh, there's Ian Morgan Cron again. Uh, the future of the church is silence. Um, what I mean by that is I think we're going to become so hungry for silence in community. That's very important, but that's another topic. We're just talking about silence now. Mother Teresa said that God's first language is silence. Everything else is a bad translation. And that, that's an extreme quote, but you get the point. Uh, to me, that would be a wonderful resurrection moment, that we would be able to value silence together. So, right. It's false. It's, that's, a, that's, that's a false statement. As much as, as much as I don't like science, I'm just kidding, by the way. Um, Pastor Rizek always gives me a hard time, but... It is false. Whatever your kids say, it is false. They are wrong. You you need to unplug. Um, there's a great Stanford study. And the Kaiser, the, this report, will actually, the, the guy who did the study from Stanford, if you go to this webpage, they actually have a whole, they had a whole uh, convention on this report. And the guy from Stanford who actually did the study gives a great presentation. Um, there's actually a three-minute uh, like documentary about, and it documents three children. And what's fascinating is there is no commentary. All they do is show the children, and they have the children respond. And it is amazing how much children have convinced themselves that this is a like this is just normal. This is good. This is where we as adults, um, I, I, well, th- those who have uh, those who know better. Let's put it that way. It doesn't have to be adult, but those who know better have to say. No, that's actually that's actually wrong. The question would be, how how do you how do you know this is the way you had to do it? Because you never tried the other way. Right. Yep. Right. Right. You have a lot of things going against you. Actually, the Google the the Atlantic Monthly uh, report actually speaks on this very point: is that college students now or children who've grown up with multimedia, meaning multiple forms of media happening all at once, actually cannot focus in-depthly. I think, I think that's our own experience, though. When we check something on the website, right, we just kind of skim it real quick. Hey, oh, there's the link. Okay, click it. That actually has changed reading patterns. Like people in the brains, you do brain scans, and they've done brain scans of people who have learned reading in a certain way, and then people have learned reading that's been greatly influenced by the Internet. 
and you know the red marks in the brain parts are all in different spots. So it's literally changed how we read. No, I, well, I, you know, I don't want to put any values on it, but I think as far as in terms of prayer life, it's really going to screw things up because prayer is a gift from God. And we have to ask, you know, so when we pray, we're engaging in this gift, in this relationship. And if this is how we relate to others by listening, like our conversing, then that's going to greatly affect the way we relate to, our, to the Heavenly Father, to, to our Lord. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so the 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 false expectations. So let's you know. So Romans. Uh, let's turn to Romans cha- chapter eight, verse twenty-six. Um, and then we'll we'll turn to Luke eleven. Luke eleven is my, like that. That's the first thirteen verses in Luke eleven are like the paradigm for me in terms of prayer. But Romans eight twenty-six is a nice short verse that will explain kind of what I'm getting at. I think I think we talked about this in confirmation. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. So, okay, that's what the Paul, Paul says. We don't know how to pray, and we don't know how we should pray as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So, multiple levels. First of all, we don't know what to pray. And that's not like a, like a slam on us as people. This is just the reality. Remember, we're joining a conversation. And the presumption is, as I enter into the conversation, since I'm not part of it, I actually don't know it. This is a, that's a basic, basic way of relating to people. I enter into a conversation. My presumption is I don't know what they're talking about. If I enter into the conversation talking and thinking I know what they're talking about, it actually might reveal the fact that I don't know what I'm talking about. So turn to Luke 11. And this is now this, this gets played out in a more concrete way. Because the disciples come up to Jesus and, and they acknowledge the fact that they don't know how to pray. Disciple, the apostles of Jesus. The apostolic church. We're ba- you know we're basing our reality on these guys. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, "Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples." So basically, the disciples come up to Jesus and say, "Teach us what to say. Tell us what the conversation is, so that we can engage in it." So in order for us to actually, so we have to. Shut our mouths. So stop talking. And now the next step is listening. So listening, that's that's the conversation, receiving life. And in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter six, four through nine, is the Shema. It's it's what the old the Old Testament Christians, the Old Testament children of God, this is what they would recite every day. This was their daily prayers. And does, does anyone know what the first word is in the Shema? Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. First word is hear. So the first word is listen. 
So, so not only do we, we, we remain silent, but God reminds us, now what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to listen. And listening is important. Uh, in, well, the parable of the sower in the Gospel of Mark is, so, okay, so what, what is God's first word? It's listening. Mark 4, 1 through 20 is listening. We find out now listening is the means in which we become who we are meant to be. Because in the parable of the sower, in verse 20, Jesus says, the good seed is those uh, that falls on good soil are those who receive the word of God. So in order to actually receive the word of God and become the good soil, the good seed, the one that you are supposed to be, you actually have to listen. And listening is receiving. So what we sometimes find out is that when we are in silence and we're listening, our Sometimes our reaction is we're not actually doing anything, and thus we become bored. Um, so, you know, there's many factors that keeps us from listening, and I got that little chart there. There's the subject. So, you know, sometimes we talk about things that are so complex we just we lose track of it and we, don't, we can't understand it. Then there's the speaker who's ever communicating it. Sometimes, you know, they're boring and it's hard to, it's hard to pay attention. Um... Then there's the presentation, how the material is given. And then, and then there is the environment, which goes then to the media question. But in the center of it is the active listener. The active listener is the one who's engaged in the speaking. And if you are actively listening, then oftentimes you can overcome the subject complexity, the speaker, the presentation, and the environment. So listening is actually a response. So you actually are active in listening. It's not a passive reality, but it is something that you, you actually are engaged in doing. And that should help us understand that when we are silent in listening, we're expecting something. So that goes with our morning prayers, right? I, I set out a sacrifice and I wait. So we're, we're actually waiting. We're expecting something. So as we listen, we are listening, expecting God to then say something. And say something worth listening to. And if we have already answered that God's good is, is, is gooder than all of our good, um, we'll, we'll actually receive something then from our Heavenly Father. So listening is a response that improves understanding. So this goes now to our Dan, my friend Dan. Listening would have set the right expectations when his mother was dying of cancer. Properly listening also demonstrates that you are present with the speaker. We've all had this experience. I've usually been on the opposite end. When uh, my when someone very important in my life is speaking to me, and she asks, you know, if I'm listening, and I will say no, I'm not. <laughs> other times, other times I'll say yes, yes, I am listening, which is a complete lie because I'm not. So obviously, you know, when we're on that end of things. And, and someone is not listening, and it, that means they're not present, they're not there. And so the relationship is completely broken. So when you listen, not only do you improve your understanding, meaning that you actually now have the right expectations, you understand what's being talked about, but the one who's speaking now 
has this very intimate and important relationship with you. So as you listen to God, you actually are understanding that he is not talking about beating the Wassa East Lumberjacks in a basketball game. But he's talking about the salvation of your soul, joy, contentness, purpose, things that are kind of really important. And then on the, the other aspect, too, though, is that now God has, God actually now knows that you, you're, you're listening, you're engaged with him. And that I think most of us want to be in that moment. <laughs> that God is, is actually receiving us. Yes. Right. Oh, that is very important, Carol. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult. In fact, me looking down at my paper actually was just, I just completely did what I wasn't supposed to do. You said something that I was like, oh, that, that's really important. And I was concerned about whether I actually had put it in my paper. Isn't that terrible? Is this something you just do? So, so yeah, exactly. So, so okay, yes. How do you do that? And I, I, um, I don't know if I wrote this down in here. So what demonstrates that you actually are listening is actually then, there's kind of three levels, I think. This is kind of sociologically speaking. That shows you are listening. You're able to repeat back. It goes to what Kirby said at the beginning of our class. You're able to repeat back to the person who spoke. Regardless of whether you believe it or not, I think that's a lot of our problem is that we disagree. So we're thinking about the counter-argument rather than actually listening. So, so the first thing is, is just simply listening. And now the thing is, okay, that goes about being polite, right? We enter into the conversation not expecting to speak, but actually receive. And if you maintain that through habit, through prayer and fasting, then, then we actually are growing in the ability to actually receive completely. So we're able to repeat back. So if we're listening like we're supposed to, we should be able to repeat back. We're also, we should be able to repeat back in, in a paraphrase ways, in a, in a way that actually shows that we've not only received it, kind of um, clinically speaking. So it's like the telephone game, you know, where one person says, the moon falls over the sky in China or something, and then the person has to pass that down. The other thing is, is that when you paraphrase it, then it actually demonstrates that you've actually kind of processed it. And then when you're able to tell a story about what that person said to you, that actually demonstrates that now it's become part of part of you. Um, so that, that actually goes to, to, like, how do you listen without figuring out what your counter-argument is? Is that you're able to repeat it back. Not... not not always literally, but in your mind. Are you able to say what this person just said? And if you are, then that means you've listened. You've actually received it. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. 
Well, I think the classic example is, is uh, your children. When you're trying to convince them that they don't need an extra whatever, because they already have one, they're just waiting to say, but don't you love me? <laughs> um, yeah, I, th- I think talking to children is very helpful for my prayer life. Because I see myself reflected back. Oof. Um, actually, we'll we'll finish up here. But I, there's a this is great ho- quote then by Ian Morgan Cron again. Silence is the stillness where God is present to you, and you are present to God, like the soft gaze of a mother looking at her sleeping child or at the sleeping infant. I, I mean, it, for mothers, I'm sure. You've been in those moments where usually at four o'clock in the morning, you know, newborn feeding. Or this actually happens with friends too, um, where you're able to not be talking, but yet being completely content. I don't know if you guys are, but I think. Obviously, the, the image here is Mary and Jesus. It, hopefully, you read the subtext there. Um, but it, it, each and of our lives, I think there's probably people, people where we don't actually have to talk, but yet we are actually communing with one another. Right. So, I mean, this is how God and, and, and man is. And, and the Apostle Paul, you know, uses this is how the Christ and the church is. And this is what the Apostle Paul then says, you know, husband and wives are. But this is parent and children. You just go through all Ephesians 5 and 6, and you will find yourself in there somewhere. But this is the environment that's being played out. So, you know, we, um, we haven't even gotten to talking yet. So what to say? That will be next week. We'll talk about, we'll talk about um, now that we've joined into this conversation, we kept our mouth shut and we listened, and we were able to kind of receive it. Now, now we have to talk about, you know, do we want to? Do we actually want to join in that conversation? Meaning, like, do we want to participate? And that's where the speaking comes in. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I think I put them on the front. The work of the people dot com. You you can uh, you can view samples of them. Uh, I bought a subscription. From the work of the people, and I've downloaded them, and I've used them in confirmation and Bible study. Ian, yeah, Ian, Ian Morgan Cron or Crone, i don't know how to say his name. Uh, he's got a, a nice book out. Uh, it's like it's it's like Father, the CIA, and 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 Jesus or something like that. It's very, he's he's a witty man. He's actually a uh, an ex-Roman Catholic who's now an Episcopal priest who is an author. You'll probably see some of the quotes in the margin comments. Uh, my favorite one is, well, there's a couple nice ones about the Eucharist that I think we'll get in there one of these days. So It's about a mother with cra- you know, uh, crying children who come to the Eucharist completely exhausted. And he says... Um, he goes. That's that's it. That's the moment. This this is well, this is why he does what he does. And he's been tempted to tell exhausted mothers, 
You can go back to your pew, but feel free to come back for some more. Because <laughs> uh, he's like, no one's, he says no one's ever taken up on it. But uh, he, 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 uh, he could, exactly. Which sort of goes against what we believe about the eternal aspect of the Lord's Supper, but if it's in infinity plus one, big deal, right? Plus one doesn't matter, right? So you should be allowed to go up as many times as you want. One or 50, same difference. Um, okay, let's pray and then we'll go. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy way. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.